This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. What's happening, guys? It's Memphis, and with me, as always, it's the man of the hour, the man with the power, Jerry Sinclair. What's going on, Jerry? A whole bunch of nothing, my friend. I was actually looking at shirts the other day to see if I could maybe get man of the hour, the man with the power going down some sleeves or something. I had you on my mind, buddy. Oh, man, I uh, I stole that from years ago. Uh, that was a, a great intro. I think Muhammad Ali or someone stole that, but that goes back many, many years. But you are the man of the hour, the man with the power. And speaking of t-shirts, that's something that I'm uh, I'm looking into. I'm pricing them right now, looking at uh, the old school microphone that like the boxing promoters or the boxing announcers used to use back in the day. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So that would be like on like the, the left chest, like that old school microphone. And on the back, it would just be a set of uh, headphones and it would say the people's podcast so that's what jerry and i are up to right now um do the listener league set it looks like we're going to have two leagues of 10 but don't get antsy in your pantsy it's only january we have to get past the mfl switch over um got to figure out if we want to be drafting rookie picks do we want to wait until the rookies have been drafted these are all things so i've, I've talked to most everybody so, so we're not drafting right now then you know, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I did this last year, so a little quick side. Well, I know everybody. Again, you, Jerry, are antsy in your pantsy. Because I get the itch. I can't. I, I, I know, and everybody loves a good startup. But I did this last year. Last year, John Sheps, Mike Sipes from the Dynasty Trades HQ, the Fantasy Football Fellas, we did a startup literally the Monday after the Super Bowl, Okay. And we had to draft the rookie picks. Like, you didn't draft Saquon Barkley. You drafted the 101. You drafted the 102. And people forgot about it, and it just became a mess. And then there was the whole MFL switchover. So, listen, I want the Listener League to go smooth like butter. I want it to be a lot of fun, and I don't want it to be a lot of work. I don't want it to be a lot of work for our listeners, but I damn sure don't want it to be a lot of work for me trying to set potentially one or two of these things up. So we're going to have the best listener league in all of Dynasty. We may have two, just trying to work through some logistics. Just be excited. It's something to look forward to. And, and speaking of something to look forward to, Jerry, do you know who our guest is tonight? Nah, tell me. Our guest is Travis May of the Dynasty Command Center, formerly of the Dynasty Life podcast. He's a writer for the DLF. He writes for Fantasy Pros. Um, they just put out this kick-ass Dynasty draft guide. Uh, we'll get into all that here in a little bit in our interview with Travis, but um, just want to you know go over a little bit of news and and cover some highlights from the weekend. So I, I didn't have a, a lot of highlights from this weekend. My Colts rolled into a frigid, snowy Kansas City and got their butt whooped. I'm, I'm really glad that no one took me up on my offer to jump in the in the truck and drive from Indianapolis to Arrowhead. It was about a seven hour drive. With two people, it would have cost about two two hundred and fifty bucks for a ticket, a hotel, food. That's what I had it priced out as, and uh, I'm sure glad I didn't drop two fifty on that ass whipping. Jerry, did you see the ass whipping my Colts took? I turned it off pretty early. Sorry, bud. You know, I, I I held out hope, but so it snowed here 
in Indianapolis on Saturday. It snowed about almost eight inches. And I'm one of those guys, I'm like old, you know, I'm sure your dad did the same thing where you have to shovel the driveway every couple of hours. And yeah, I, when <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm getting old now, yeah. so now I got, I'm that guy now. You know what I'm talking about? Well, when Adam Benatari stoinked that kick right into the upright, <laughs> shuffling. I did, I, I turned the TV off. My wife said, where are you going? The game's on. I'm like, game's over. I said, she's like, what? And I said, it might as well be over. I turned the TV off. I grabbed my you know, little beanie cap and my jacket and my gloves. And I went out and shoveled the driveway for like the third time on Saturday. It, it was depressing. Uh, really interesting game with the Cowboys and the Rams. Man, I tell you what, uh, according to Troy Aikman, Robert Woods is the best receiver in the NFL. What, what did you yeah, think about dude, Troy's evaluation? He just loves spewing vomit. I mean, listen, Robert Woods is good, but stop it. Just stop it. You you would think for a guy that's seen the Saints and the Packers as much as he does, he would know who Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas are. And I get that he doesn't get the AFC a lot. He doesn't see a lot of DeAndre Hopkins or Antonio Brown. But come on, man. Um, too much hyperbole. But, man, Dallas got whooped. And we're going to get into some of the news later about C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley, but not on the show, Doc. Let me ask you a question. Quick hypothetical. Are you concerned at all as a Todd Gurley owner that going into 2019, his fifth pro season, he's already had an ACL, he's got some knee issues now. Are you at all concerned that his workload in 2019 could be lightened a bit? Not like cut in half or cut from to 60% of the total carries and, and workload for a running back in L.A., but even if they cut him back a bit, does that make you nervous? I'm actually, I think, a little more confident, as weird as that sounds. Not, because I do think they'll cut it back a little bit. But if Todd Gurley goes from getting you 29 points a game to 26, are you really going to hate the guy? No, but I do think they're going to sign C.J. Anderson. And I think that's that's who your, your handcuff is. You know, you're not going to have to worry about, is it John Kelly? Is it Malcolm Brown? Is it what's going to happen if he goes down? You can see what's going to happen if he goes down. C.J. Anderson's going to get 20 carries. And I like so, how I like how you put that. I like how you put the you know he's going to maybe not get you twenty six, but he'll get you twenty three. And here's the thing, Jerry's right. That's not a bad thing. I would much rather have him give me the next three seasons at twenty three points a game as opposed to maybe the next season and a half at twenty seven points a game, because he got and then out. have a torn up knee and not get you anything in twenty twenty one. Yeah, so I would I would much rather have a. Uh, a longer running asset. The famous poker player Amarillo Slim said, "You can shear a sheep many times, but you can only skin him once." And that's exactly right. You can you can get a lot of use out of Todd Gurley, or you can get a very short, finite amount. So enough Todd Gurley talk. Uh, what what were some of the other highlights? What did you take away from the Sunday game besides the fact that the Chargers got their butts whooped in Foxborough? I mean, they did, but you have a little soft spot in my heart for that Amarillo slim quote as a man that loves his poker just to just to get into that that was nice um yeah every time we think Tom Brady's dead he just tells us peasants to just shut up and get out of his way so he can go get his kale sandwich and hold up a Lombardi trophy again I just I just want to see him fail now imagine you guys you guys out there listening you want to see Tom Brady fail now Imagine you're in my shoes. You're a Michigan State fan, and you watch this Michigan Wolverine. Oh, by the way, I live in Ann Arbor, so I got to listen to quite a bit of Michigan fans. 
how much do you think they talk about Tom Brady, Randy? Well, I, uh, probably a lot, but I, I thought you lived on 8 Mile with Eminem. Shoot, yeah, listen, just because every person from Michigan says they live there doesn't mean they actually do. I just wanted to see him lose. I, but, you know, listen, we're going to get an awesome matchup on Sunday with him and Mahomes, so I'm just excited to see that. Oh, both of these games on Sunday are going to be unbelievable. Four, I think the four highest scoring offenses in the league, and then the uh, and then you just mentioned uh, the fourth team, the Saints, escaped thanks to a uh, Alshon Jeffrey missed catch that turned. Whoops! Uh, I will say that it looked like for all the, the the grief they get on social media, the Philly fans actually reacted to that pretty well, and it looks like it might be the end of Big Dick Nick in Philadelphia. What did you think about the the Eagles? I mean, they had a shot with you know the last drive of the game to go down and do it before Alshon uh, kind of helped seal it for the Saints. I I thought Foles looked okay. Um, I'm in a playoff like a fantasy playoff league where you can only use each player one time, and I took a stab with Foles this weekend. He did okay. Uh, where are you the at first with Foles? Quarter, you really liked him. Where, where, where did you? Uh, where do you think he may wind up in the off season? I mean, someone will definitely pick him up. Someone will give him Case Keenum money. That's going to happen somewhere. But I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, the easy answer is, like, Jacksonville or something. But I don't I don't think they would do that. Well, we're, we're going to hear more about these quarterbacks with our guest Travis here in a bit. But, you know, there's, there's not an elite quarterback option. I don't think this is a bad year for actual teams to go out and – you know, use a bridge guy. Maybe you can trade for Joe Flacco cheap, or you can sign a Nick Foles for two years to where you can get to that 2020 class or that even the 2021 class. Maybe you can get two years out of one of these guys. Is that as far-fetched as I made it sound? No, I don't think so. I mean, as far as if you had Nick Foles in this draft class, knowing what you know about Nick Foles, would you take him over Dwayne Haskins or Will Greer or somebody? I don't think that's crazy. If I, thought- I mean, he's got a Super Bowl MVP. If I thought he would help me tank enough to get uh, Trevor Trevor Lawrence in 2021, then hell yes. Maybe right. We can be mediocre in 2019, be terrible in 2020, and uh, uh, what was it? The uh, the trust the process in Philadelphia 76ers. We're going to trust the pop process for Trevor Lawrence. So listen, that's enough of the weekend highlights. Jerry, you ready to break down some news before we talk to our guest? Let's do it. This is the news. Very, very newsy drop. So um, this is kind of speculation and a little bit of rumor, but it came out today. And I've seen it on Roto World, and that's about as legit a source as you can get in fantasy. But And this has even been mentioned by the owner of the Carolina Panthers, but Cam Newton could pull a full Andrew Luck if he has a second shoulder surgery on his throwing arm and miss all of the 2019 season. Would it be crazy to see Nick Foles sign for a one-year fat deal in Carolina if Cam were to do this? So, Jerry, what what are you what are you thinking about this Cam situation? If I don't have him, I'm trying to buy him. But listen, if, if that does happen, Randy, if there is a situation where he actually doesn't play and does pull the Andrew Luck, I would love Nick Foles to sign there because he's that perfect guy that's going to get you one year of production. But you don't have to marry him. You know, he's he's the side piece. You know, you can draft your future if you want to do that, or you can stay with Cam, but he's going to be, if he does miss the season, he'll be what, 32 when he comes back? Uh, he's thir- a big dude. 31, 32, and, and, and 
I, I don't hate it because not only does he have that, he's had an ankle issue a couple of years back. And it's not the worst thing in the world. We see quarterbacks. You talked about Tom Brady and his kale sandwich and his avocado ice cream. You know, Cam seems, seems to take pretty good care of himself. So you don't ever want to see one of these elite guys, especially a fun, entertaining guy and a big, especially in Superflex contributor like Cam, miss that kind of time. And I know what that's like as a Colts fan to see your quarterback miss a year. But if it gets him right and they need to do it, you do what you got to do. Because I'm, I'm very glad to see Andrew Luck back as a Colts fan. So if that ends up happening, it's not the worst thing in the world. And there's always there's always uh, the other side. So Nick Foles and Cam Newton could be a, a match made in heaven. Uh, next bit of news comes out of Cleveland. Uh, and we're going to do our coaching show next week. I think by next week we'll have a pretty good idea of all eight of the new head coaches. We've got another very special guest lined up for next week. And we're going to talk about all these head coaching positions, and we're going to break them down and what we think it can do for the dynasty assets on those teams. But the Cleveland Browns, man, they hired Freddie Kitchens, who had never been a head coach, even at the high school level, as their head coach. But what I like that, that he did was he hired, or I guess they as an organization hired Steve Wilkes, who was recently let go as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And then they hired, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Todd Monken. Of the, I think that's right. Uh, that sounds right. Uh, he was the most recently the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay under Dirk Cutter. Um, what I like about this is Steve Wilkes has been a head coach, and even if it was just for one year, you know what? That's a guy in the building you can, you can bounce stuff off of. We saw a pretty fantasy generous uh, offense there in Tampa Bay, especially for Mike Evans, and we saw what Jameis and – I think if you added Ryan, uh, Ryan Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzmagic and Jameis together, I think they'd be a top five QB if I remember correctly. So I like the defensive hire. I like the offensive hire. And uh, I'm going to see how this thing marinates. Are you excited for Cleveland? I'm excited about certain aspects. I am pretty excited about Todd Munkin. Um, like you said, Tampa Bay had a pretty good offense now they were a little erratic the running game wasn't great but Nick Chubb's gonna make your running game so that yeah I wouldn't sweat too much into that but Munkin was the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma State now you might not think that's a big deal but this dude got Justin Blackman top five NFL money getting picked fourth or fifth overall I mean if you can pull that off bless your heart so I'm excited for that as far as the Browns fan Probably don't don't go too crazy. I'm a Lions fan, so I've seen this hype when they get new coaches and you get super excited and then they punch you in the face. So I'm I'm excited as a fantasy owner. I'm not sure I think the Browns will be contending very soon, but that could be the pessimist in me. I'm gonna disagree with you. Uh and, and I've I I don't know how great it will be. I'm gonna be I'm more of the wait and see camp. I've always said, and, and I'm not going to change it right now until I see otherwise, I see Baker and this team as a better overall NFL team than I do as a fantasy option right now. Now, that can certainly change. They've got draft picks. They've got tons of money in free agency. Th th this thing can certainly change. But this is one of those teams I want to see where wide receiver goes. I want to see one of these one of these big-name wide receivers we got in this class end up in Cleveland. That'll get me a little excited. I saw Nikhil Harry mocked to the Cleveland Browns, so um, we'll it see. It Shoot that, it right into my veins. That, 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 that's enough Cleveland talk for now. We'll talk more about these guys later. And speaking of head coaches, one guy we will not be breaking down next week with our next surprise special guest be Mike McCarthy. 
He is taking 2019 off, and I do not see this as a bad thing. Go out, recharge your batteries. He's still a young enough guy. Could come back. We know there's going to be a bunch of head coaches fired next year. Always is. Probably Jacksonville comes to mind almost instantly. And he can come back refreshed and, and ready to roll. He'll probably you know do some commentating or you know some studio work with one of the big uh, production companies, whether it's ESPN or CBS or Fox. So uh, I don't think anyone's too sad to see McCarthy off the sidelines this year. No, I would disagree, or I would agree with you. It's how are you going to limit yourself? To, I only want the Jets job, like, dude. You know, you take a paycheck wherever you can get it. And then they hire Adam Gase, who looks like he's high on meth while he's sitting at the podium. Did you see the video of him with his wandering eyes? I I, I did. And you know what? This is weird, but I, I, I'm, I know I'm in the minority, and that's okay. I'm, I like I'm like the only guy in America who's okay with the Adam Gase hire. I mean, let's look at some of the positives. Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning, and Jay Cutler all had their best season with Adam Gase calling plays, allegedly, and I, I, there's no way to verify this, but I've heard it several times, Peyton Manning allegedly called the Jets and told them that Gase was the best off- offensive coordinator he had ever worked with. And, and, dude, he got Ryan Tannehill to the playoffs in his first year as the head coach in Miami. I mean, I know it's easy to pour on the guy because he pooped on our fantasy shares of Kenyon Drake and Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker, but... He's got Maybe to. He's guys got to, just aren't good. I, I've never been a Kenyon Drake guy. I'm holding. I'm holding out hope that Devontae Parker gets a new lease on life somewhere else in 2019. But I, I think that we're looking too much in the short term and how he impacted our fantasy and dynasty shares. I mean, you, you do got to look back. Look at some of the seasons that guys like Alshon Jeffrey had under him. Uh, Demarius Thomas had under Adam Gase, and as a guy who's a you know. I'm, a pretty big Robbie Anderson fan, I could see him being very good for Robbie Anderson. So don't go crazy. Don't snap react. I know it's hard. It's hard because that's what we do. But this is dynasty. This is the long play. And let's see how this plays out. But I don't hate the Adam Gase hiring. I don't hate it. I just like making fun of the video of him. It's it's magical. Like he's high on acid. It's it's magical. It's like he's looking at uh, floating dragons. And he's, and he's <laughs> trying to catch him. Maybe he's seeing Pokemon. But yeah, he, the, the running one I saw was uh, when you took one scoop too many of pre-workout. <laughs> yeah. All right, right we've got to wrap through a couple more of these because we've got to get to our very special guest. Uh, Henry Henry returned in that game where the Chargers got shellacked by the Patriots. It was good to see a guy who tore his ACL in May back in January. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, same thing. I mean, Seth told us from the fellas, yikes, I'm a stuttering baboon apparently. Uh, he told us, you know, it, it was going to be good to see him. He didn't think he would do much, and he was spot on. But like you said, good to see him in, good to see him for next year. You know, didn't re-injure himself. That, that was the win out of that game. Yeah, a- absolutely. And Hunter Henry's a guy that I'm, I'm certainly looking to get a share of. Out of all my leagues, I have zero, but I'm looking to add. Um, but, yeah, no, and, and Stefania Bell, she said this a couple of years ago with Keenan Allen, and it's one of those things that I filed away in my uh, my mental library, if you will. She's like, guys coming back from ACLs tend to have a slow start. I mean, you can think back as recently as Dalvin Cook this year. Got off to a slow start. Then the hamstring, which is not uncommon, coming back from the 
um, ACL to, to have some soft tissue in injuries. And then later in the season, you know what, down the stretch, he looked pretty good. Um, if you want to hear more on this, I was listening to the Dynasty Happy Hour with Travis Gunther on Monday, and they had a physical therapist. I can't remember his name, but just look for Monday's edition of the Dynasty Happy Hour as well. And he's a physical therapist, and he broke all this down much better than I ever will. But it's good to see a guy like Hunter Henry back about eight and a half months away from an ACL. And then C.J. Anderson looking a biscuit shy of 300 pounds out there, rumbling for 23 carries for 123 yards and two TDs. Uh, Those last remaining C.J. Anderson shares on the back end of my dynasty roster smiled. What do you think about that performance on Saturday? That was something. I mean, honestly, the last couple of weeks have all been the same thing. It's like that dude was left for dead and he was, you know, with the Clemson football team at the White House, just packing away fast food burgers. Came out looking like a star. I mean, how they're both going to get 100 yards. I mean, that was something, Randy. But listen, he earned himself another paycheck for another year. I cannot see a situation where they don't sign him for whatever it is. And he's going to take it because the list of suitors was not that long prior to this gig. Um, speaking of guys that need to be signed, Larry Fitzgerald, still undecided on 2019. But I think this is something we'll know as soon as February. I would love to see Larry come back for one more season. Again, I have some shares on some back ends of some rosters. And even if I can't get anything for him, it'd be nice just to see him uh, play one more year. I don't, th- I don't think we saw the best of Larry due to the quarterback play in 2018. I'd like to see him go out on a little bit better note. What What about you, Jerry? Where are you at with Larry? Yeah, listen, I mean, I, I think he's probably done just the way that organization is going. But, yeah, I agree with you. I would like to see him go out better than the very last place team in the NFL. But love Larry Fitzgerald. It's always good to have him in the league if he does come. But if not, bless your heart, my friend. Yeah, no, no matter what Larry does, he gets a big thank you from me and just about every dynasty owner that's ever rostered the guy. And then our last story, the Broncos are quote-unquote plotting a run at Antonio Brown this offseason. This one makes 0.0 sense to me. They've already got Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton in-house. I mean, do, do you add a third guy? Do, do, do you bring in a veteran who's probably not going to help these guys develop? That's not going to be good for Case Keenum. This one right here is a real head-scratcher. Who's going to give up the draft capital and pay this guy over $20 million to come in and be kind of a pain? I I don't get it, Uh, especially Denver. I don't think Antonio Brown's the difference between you competing for, you know, second or first and even the AFC West with the Chargers, who are going to be really good next year. I don't think the Chiefs are going anywhere. So you've got enough headaches just trying to finish not last in your division with Oakland, much less trying to, to compete. And Antonio Brown at 30, almost 31 years old, feels like a, the kind of piece that would go to a contender. Am I crazy? No, I, th- I think you're spot on with that. I, don't, I got nothing for you. That's a, you're right. Well, I mean, well, Jerry, he's, he's, he's one of those guys that gets you over the top. And sorry, Broncos, I know. That you wish you were there, but you're not. Yeah, I, I, I maybe I, I don't get it. Again, you're, you're going to be lucky to finish better than third in your own division, and I don't see the AFC West producing three wild card teams. 
I don't think the Chargers are going anywhere, and I damn sure don't think the Chiefs are going anywhere, especially as long as Patrick Mahomes is on that rookie deal, which he will be for the next two and probably three seasons. I think picking up his first-round option is a no-brainer at this point, considering the guy's going to win the MVP. And I was on the fence with Patrick Mahomes as my MVP, but not after this weekend. Uh, yeah. he, he is all that and a bag of chips. So, Jerry, you got anything else to add before we bring on our guest? No, let's bring him on. All right, man. So coming to you right now, let's bring on our very special guest, Travis May. All right. Joining Jerry and I on the show is a, a very special guest who doesn't really need an introduction, but I'm going to give him an introduction anyway. Our guest is a writer for both the DLF and Fantasy Pros. He's also now a writer for the Dynasty Command Center. He's a podcast host of one of the very first Dynasty podcasts that I listened to as a podcast listener. I'm a big podcast consumer, uh, which was the Dynasty Life podcast. He is the new host of the Dynasty Command Center podcast. They've got two episodes live, maybe even a third. I haven't checked my phone today. And uh, he is a Tennessee Titans fan, a new league mate of mine in the Ultimate Dynasty Podcast League. He doesn't need any introduction, but I'm going to give him one. Mr. Travis May, welcome to the Dynasty Warzone, sir. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I always uh, love joining just about any show that will let me talk football. Uh, that's what I do all the time anyway, so I might as well record it, right? So, yeah, just glad to be here. Yeah, man. So uh, tell the listeners about your Dynasty life, a little play on words. Uh, your yeah. former podcast, The Dynasty Life, that was how you introduced your guests. Tell us about how you got yeah. into Dynasty and uh, what's going on with your Dynasty career now. Yeah, so I always wanted a little something more. I liked the college game, and I, I wanted to kind of, you know, use that knowledge in some way besides just uh, conversations with coworkers and <laughs> things like that. So I uh, decided to, you know, dive into Dynasty after having played fantasy football for a while and finally convinced my home league, uh, I think right, what was that, 2014, to to make the leap into Dynasty uh, as well. And uh, so that year was, of course, the big rookie hit. Uh, for wide receivers with Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, and Devontae Adams, a whole bunch of uh, guys that are you know up at the top of draft boards for Dynasty Leagues still today. And so that really sparked my interest immediately in really uh, diving in further into Dynasty. And uh, so got into some writing with the Fantasy Authority and then podcasting. I uh, did uh, the Dynasty Life show with Justin McCasland and Andrew Frechette for 115 episodes, which is a pretty good run. Uh, but just called that quits here recently uh, to uh, take a gig with uh, Dynasty Command Center uh, where I don't have to do the editing on the podcast, which saves me a lot of time. So, uh, And, you know, just a new opportunity there with uh, writing and putting together the rookie guide there. And so, yeah, it's just it's been uh, that, that. Yeah, that's like been several years summarized into a few sentences. Yeah, and, and that's a lot. The one thing I want to focus on, because it's great to relive what you've done. It's all great, and I'm sure it's still available out there on iTunes and archived uh, podcast form. But let's talk about what you're doing now. And we were talking before we started recording about the Dynasty Command Center draft guide. I purchased my copy yesterday, and yes, I know what a lot of the listeners think. Oh, you, you got a copy for free. That's not the case. I didn't even give Travis the opportunity to. We should 100% be supporting <laughs> guys like Travis, um, Matt Waldman, guys that put this stuff out, because this is a labor of love, but it's something that should be rewarded. But let's talk about the the, the three-part series. Part one's out now, 
And then tell us about the written content. Uh, and then when you get done with that, just go ahead and jump into the podcast and how they can find you guys. Yeah, sure. So um, basically with the the Dynasty Command Center, that, that, that's that been a great uh, group of people over the past couple of years, started by uh, Curtis Patrick and Ryan McDowell. And now we've uh, added a few more people, myself included, and um, been doing this rookie guide thing. It's three parts. Uh, we had one that, that just came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, kind of pre-rookie season, and then we have the uh, post-combine edition that's going to come out right after the combine is completed, and then we'll have another edition. The final edition will be uh, coming out right after the NFL draft, you know, after we actually know where these guys are landing. So, you know, every every guy is going to have a, a new set of uh, positional rankings, and that includes individual defensive players. We've got uh, different tiers for all types of formats with like uh, super flex and tight end premium kind of like a class overview involved in the first edition. Uh, we're going to be adding layers to it though. It's, it's been a lot of fun putting these together and, and each, each edition is going to look a bit, a little bit different, but uh, uh, like we were talking about uh, before uh, our graphics guy, Sean Morris just does a great job making it look way better than anything uh, inside it does for uh as far as like the written content, it's just unbelievable what he's done with the graphics. But uh, really proud to be a part of the team. Uh, looking forward to all the all that's upcoming. And the the podcast is pretty much it. Just did get up here recently. You know, you can have it. You find it on iTunes, like SoundCloud, Stitcher, um, and we're working on getting it everywhere you listen to podcasts. But I know a couple other places we're still waiting to hear back on the RSS feed. So <laughs> hopefully, it will be everywhere that you listen to podcasts here soon. And one thing I like about the Dynasty Command Center podcast is that it's only about, what, 30 minutes, give or take? Yeah, we try to, we understand that there are already a lot of great podcasts out there, but we want to fit into um, a narrow window of time. Therefore, you can listen on your commute, listen on your lunch, wherever it fits in your day, because we understand there's a lot of information to consume, but we want to kind of tackle a topic and do it so efficiently uh, while uh, getting to know the team with DCC. We might have some guests down the line, but we're really going to focus in on uh, the team that we have in place with uh, Curtis and Ryan, myself, Tom Kislingberry, uh, Brian Malone, uh, Charles, uh, uh, forgive me, Charles, it's Charles Gill, I think, is his last name, and then TJ <laughs> Calkins. Uh, so, so just really featuring our team and uh, using uh, you know as much time as we waste on this uh, together to make one awesome podcast if we can. All right, well, before I go into some more questions, Jerry, you have any questions for Travis before we get rolling into some of this? No, I'm just curious to see what he says because, you know, I've been following Travis for a long time. There's a lot of people in the community that are, are just awesome to follow, and Travis has been one of them for a long time. And, you know, he does the work that I don't have to do. I can just sit back, enjoy his hard work, and make my teams better that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there we go. Perfect. Yeah. Cutting and, corners. And, 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 been cutting corners since 88. And we were talking about this again before we hit the record button, but, you know, he mentioned his graphics guy. I printed this thing out because I happen to have a color printer at work. Don't tell the work peeps, but I, I printed this thing out and I was looking at it last night as I was reading with the family and my wife's like, where'd you get that magazine? What's that about? I'm like, it's not a magazine. It's kind of a magazine. It's supposed to be digital, but you can make a hard copy, which I like um, the podcast show. I you know, print a hard copy of our show notes so I can, you know, write stuff down in the margins and take notes. So it's 100% printable as well if you're old school like me. And one of the things I loved about the document, because like I said, I just got it yesterday. It's 42 pages. 
and I just don't want to rifle through it at 100 miles an hour, but I was just perusing this. And one of the things I love is that you and the staff, you went through all 32 teams. You went through their quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end position. You gave each landing spot a grade about whether it was a good spot for a rookie or a bad spot. Um, how much do you take, you personally, when you're drafting your dynasty rookies, Travis, how much do you take situation into account? I think you have to, uh, to an extent. I mean, like I was a major Sterling Shepard fan when he was coming out, uh, his rookie, year, I guess it was 2016. Uh, but the, the sad part is he joined Odell Beckham Jr. And so he basically locked himself into his entire rookie contract, uh, being second fiddle. Uh, and so, yeah, that's one of those situations that was just too much to overcome, even in the, uh, you know, he did produce when Odell Beckham missed some time and he had eight touchdowns to kick off as, as a rookie, that's great, but you know his ceiling is is most definitely limited. So I, I take those kinds of really daunting situations into account. But as far as situations like Nick Chubb this past year, where Carlos Hyde was supposed to be this kind of band aid there for a little while, and uh, Chubb was obviously a, a better runner than Duke Johnson, so I actually traded it up for Nick Chubb in one spot to try to to get him, just because I couldn't find him anywhere in most of my rookie drafts. So. I generally tend to believe in the talent, but there are exceptions where it's just too much to overcome. Uh, but I definitely don't buy on uh, just just landing spot. If I don't believe in a player, even if the landing spot is amazing, uh, I'm not going to really be buying into that long term. So you, it could be a tiebreaker in some cases. If you were sitting at, say, the 106 or the 108, it might be what sways you from drafting one guy to another that you know deep into the first round maybe? Yeah, that deep into the first round because once you get past the the you know the absolute studs in a class, you know the, the guys that are the top three, four, five options in, in most rookie classes, you're you're reaching a point where it's more of a coin flip as far as your hit rates anyway historically, uh, but the talent is not so clearly greater uh, than any other pick at that point unless somebody just drops when they really shouldn't. But yeah, it is kind of like a uh, just maybe a lean one way, one way or the other uh, when it comes to the, the opportunity. Um, but uh, really, I, I tend to trust the talent over you know what may look like a good situation now because so many things can change in just a year. Right, you don't want to like uh, overreact to the Chiefs taking a running back in the fourth or fifth round. Like You're not jumping them up to 103 or anything. No, and I think that's where uh, that's one of the best landing spots, obviously, with uh, what's happened, uh, sadly, with Kareem Hunt. And I, I know some people want to believe Damian Williams is going to be the guy. That's not who I am. And he really, I believe, only has like a million and a half in guarantees in that new contract he got. So I'm not really trusting in that spot, but I'm also not going to plug in whatever, you know, fourth, fifth rounder goes there next year and think that that's not going to be you know, kind of a messy situation, at least early, because draft stock typically means opportunity. And so even if the opportunity would be great if somebody took it, if they're a fourth round pick, chances are they aren't going to take it, at least at the very beginning. Now, it would be something different if they, you know, were a late first round pick. Obviously, that would probably shoot them up to the 1.01 slot. But uh, yeah, for the most part, uh, just kind of have to be careful there. All right, before I go to my next question, I'm going to hit you with a surprise question. So let's say David Montgomery, who I believe is the highest graded running back in the guide, and Kelvin 
Harmon, who's one of the higher, at least the first highest of the, the rated wide receivers come to my mind. Let's say Montgomery goes to the Chiefs early, like say a third round pick, and then Harmon goes to the Colts with like a second round pick. Who is your 101 in a scenario like that? Just hypothetical. Between those two, I think uh, I, I tend to not take, you know, third rounders kind of on the fringe for me, but uh, as far as real NFL draft stock and putting them up in that conversation, but because I don't think many running backs are going to be taken very high this year, if David Montgomery went to the Chiefs, it'd be really hard to to turn that down as the 1.01. Uh, just as far as him most likely having an immediate impact and scoring the most points and seeing a value spike on my roster pretty quickly, uh, I would probably still have to go with Montgomery there. I like Harmon, and I like him potentially landing with the Colts, but I think uh, that's where I like to go with the running back. Uh, because I know I can turn him for probably more, even if I don't want to keep him. So, <laughs> yeah, fair fair point. We all know that Andy Reid plus uh, running backs usually equals fantasy gold. So uh, I want to ask you because I asked you this on Twitter, but the listeners were not privy to that conversation. Who who is your absolute favorite player in this draft class, and why? Not not who's the best, but who is Travis's favorite player in this class? I think uh, that that changes, <laughs> but. but I think right now, uh, just because I, I dug deepest most recently into Hakeem Butler, uh, I think it's him just because of uh, his his story uh, growing up, what he's what he's been through, uh, and to get where he is now and to play for Iowa State and to be in the you know early round draft discussion uh, is something amazing. Um, he may still be a little bit raw, but he does a lot of things well. Uh, to be six foot six and two twenty five, and have the flexibility that he does, the speed that he does, uh, and really just destroying people off the line the way that he does, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. So I hope he has success at the next level. All right, well, I knew that one, but the listener did not. And then my next question is, who is the best player in your opinion in this class, just from the tape that you've broken down? Because this year there isn't a clear cut one zero one like there was last year with Barkley like a couple of years ago with Ezekiel Elliott. But as of right now, who is the most talented player on the offensive side of the ball for fantasy, not so much lineman, uh, in your opinion? I think that has to be, and this changes as well, but but right now it's it's actually Kelvin Harmon. Uh, I think uh, a while back, I don't know who even wrote the piece or they talked about it, but whoever it was that first brought up the fact that Kelvin Harmon uh, mostly run, lines up at right wide receiver. And when I say mostly, I mean more than 90% of the time. Uh, they brought that up, and, and that was supposedly a detriment to uh, their success because we've seen a lot of guys that line up in one side of the field for most of their college clear, you know, uh, career, uh, a la, you know, Laquan Treadwell. And, and it's seen some recent guys that just failed uh, that did that. But I think when you look at Harmon's game beyond just his pre-snap alignment, um, you know that you, you learn a lot more in terms of the, the number of routes that that he runs from that position, uh, and how successful he is when he does line up elsewhere at uh, left wide receiver, uh, as well, and I think even uh, a few slot routes also. So uh, there's there's definitely some things to look forward to um, with his career. I, I believe so. And anyway, uh, he a lot of people compare him to the next Julio Jones, and I think that's an an apt. Um, an apt way to describe his ceiling. Obviously, that's a little bit preemptive, just saying anyone's going to be that type of player. Um, but I think uh, he wins 
deep. He wins in the intermediate areas of the field really well. I think he has, uh, I think it was 60-something percent of his receptions in the eight-game sample that I charted. Went for more than <clears throat> more than 10 yards. Um, but I found it strange that like most of his receptions are under 20, and it's mainly because he wins in like the 10 to 20 range and uh, doesn't add a, a ton of yak, but he is really good at the inter- back, intermediate range, like comeback routes, uh, like the fades are just uh, basically unstoppable. He runs a, a good deep out route uh, and kind of, you know, toe taps on the sideline pretty well. I think he does a lot of things. His body control for his size, it's just a lot of fun. So I hope he lands in a situation with a good quarterback and we can see him produce soon. What do you think the biggest difference between him and Nikhil Harry is? Because from the little bit that I've seen of Harry, it, it seems like he's great at the contested catch. Like, he, he can high point a ball, and he can he can fight for a catch like no man's business. But it, I don't know. The rest I've just seen is lacking. I've seen 101 so much from him, and so I'm I'm just sort of wanting to pick the mind of someone who doesn't see that. So what, what do you think the difference is between him and Harmon? Well, they are very different players. Um, I think that especially this last season, you saw Harry really tried to get better as a route runner. Uh, but I think that offense just kind of limited what he was doing. They, they did force him into a lot of uh, one-on-one situations and just asked him to win. But they also, for some reason, asked him to run a ton of screens. That was like an extension of their run game. Uh, they basically would, would recognize, hey, uh, there's this 6'4 monster on the outside, and there's this 5'10 tiny Pac-12 defensive back on him. Uh, we should probably just, uh, you know, kind of motion him in behind the other two wide receivers on that side of the field, and and all he has to do is beat that little scrawny dude and and basically get nine yards, seven yards, you know, a good chunk play off of a screen, which he did so uh, at a ridiculously high rate throughout his career. So it's it's kind of weird. It, they're really very different players. Uh, he even lines up in the slot some uh, more so than Kelvin does. Uh, he does a lot at left and right wide receiver like uh, Kelvin does not. And so there are some good good things that I like about his game, but his, uh, he's definitely not as, as flexible, and I definitely don't think he's as fast. So those two things stand out right away. But they both are monsters in, in the contest, contested catch game. So that, that makes them both a lot of fun to watch. So I'm sitting here taking notes, and that's a little thing we call here on the Dynasty War Zone. That's a writer-downer. That's where you should have a pen, a note on your phone, something write that down but the one thing that i took away from what travis said right there was is that it constantly changes i love that you know bruce lee said be like water be fluid be be willing to move you know travis and that's why he's good at what he does that's why we wanted to bring him on for you to listen to he's he says it changes all the time because things change his opinion changes and you got to be flexible with these things I, i see a lot of people get take lock this time of the year and yeah that no matter what, like I'm, I'm starting to see, uh, maybe you've seen this, Travis, the Nikhil Harry's Laquan Treadwell. Have you seen that? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people just think, oh, well, somebody said this once two months ago. I remember that. That's probably true still, and I haven't watched anything yet. <laughs> it's, one, it's one of the craziest things that, that I see on, on Twitter, and I, I probably spend too much time there, to be honest. But listen to Travis. Yeah, you know, so do f- I. F- follow him. Uh, and I'll, I'll drop his handle again at the end of the show, but he's at FF underscore Travis M. It's got all the links to everything that he's doing out there in the Dynasty world. So I'll drop that again at the end of the interview. But I want to get into a little game. Uh, we, we prepped him a little bit for this going into there. So we're all familiar with the very famous podcast 
game for fantasy called Keep Trade Cut. Well, we're going to mix that up just a little bit because this is rookie season and this is, uh, for us, way early rookie talk. But we're going to call this game Elite Jag, as in just a guy, or bust. So we're going to put Travis on the spot with some names here. Um, and, and, and I pick these names based on tiering of the Dynasty Command Center guide. So I only picked three quarterbacks. And Jerry, you can feel free to chime in too. Like I said, I know you watch a lot, but you, you've got twin boys on the way. Your days of watching a lot of college football on Saturdays, mister, will soon be limited. But, if Michigan uh, State keeps playing the way they are too, then I'm just going to turn it off more. All right. So, so the three <laughs> quarterbacks for elite, jag or bust, are Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State, Drew Locke of Missouri, and Will Greer of West Virginia. So, uh, Travis, elite, jag, or bust? Give us one of each. There are no elite quarterbacks in this class, but if there's going to be any one of those three, it's going to be Dwayne Haskins. That would be my elite option. My jag is probably going to be Will Greer. Uh, I think his ceiling is a bit lower than the other two, but I, I like him as kind of a guy who could sneak into a you know a, a safe back-end starter that limps his team into the playoffs a few times. Uh, and then the bust, I think, would be Drew Locke just because what he did against SEC competition in terms of, well, completely disappearing every time he saw any of them, um, that was kind of unmistakable. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but if you can put his non-Power 5 and specifically SEC competition versus his, his SEC competition right next to each other, you'd see two completely different players. And obviously the competition in the SEC is real, but it's it's really scary. When you look at the numbers and his inaccuracy, his just complete failure to orchestrate any amount of game-winning anything, whether it's comebacks or just even staying in games for an entire half, uh, so he could be the bust out of that crew. All right, and what? In, so since he's the bust, what NFL quarterback would current NFL quarterback would you most liken him to? Oh man, Drew Locke. Like, you know, like yes, you want me to like pick yes, a, Drew, Drew a, a guy that's already busted so that uh, we could kind of I was thinking like maybe Bortles or is he Josh Allen? Who, who I mean he... the way you're talking it sounds like he's worse than them. Yeah, that that's kind no, of a... I, I think uh I think Bortles but he's not going to see that kind of draft capital so it could be worse. All right, very good. So next we're going to move into running backs and running backs is always a favored position of draft Twitter. Um, we tend to overlook the wide receivers. At least we have the last few years. We've been spoiled with some really good running back classes the last two years. So of, of this similar tier, and I kept it as close as I could, we're going to go David Montgomery, Damian Harris, and Daryl Henderson. Who's elite? Who's going to be just a guy? And who's the bust? Yeah, I mean, these guys are all really high. Like I, I don't dislike any of these guys, uh, but I think because of... I, I believe in David Montgomery. If if it turns out that he's completely unathletic at the combine, that's going to really disappoint. I'm going to second guess uh, his potential. But for now, he's in the, in the elite category. Uh, the Jag, uh, I, as much as I love Daryl Henderson, and he's actually a first-round rookie pick for me and I believe my running back two or three right now. Uh, but one thing that scares me is he uh, got a lot away with a bunch of big plays in college, and he did so because he's – you know, once he hits that hole, he's gone. He can just he'll leave it, leave you in the dust. And it's a lot of fun to watch. You should turn on tape if you want to see a guy who averages like 10 yards per carry. But 
uh, if he can't learn to really uh, get the lateral game figured out, just side to side and finding the right holes and taking what's there uh, at the next level, he could be that jag if he doesn't figure that out. But in the bust, I think just because Alabama running back, everyone's going to think, oh, Damian Harris, Alabama run- running back, I should probably draft him really high. And uh, I think um, he could be the bust there uh, just because I, I don't have him in my top, I don't think top four running backs. Right now, uh, I just uh, never saw it really take off. I, I was impressed at, at times in 2017 more so than this year, uh, but I think his ceiling is more limited than we give him credit for. All right, Jerry, anything to add on that trio? No, I actually liked that all of that because I, I think the same about David Montgomery. He's just got he's just got moves. He stiff arm, spin, run away yeah. from people. He's he's got all yeah. of that. I thought the same thing about Daryl Henderson. That's what I put pretty good vision. He doesn't have many moves, though, so that scares me a little bit. I said I'd like to see him in all-star games and at the Combine. Yeah. All right, so the, 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 the next running back trio is Rodney Anderson, Justice Hill, and Josh Jacobs. Now, Josh Jacobs is a name that's picked up steam ever since he declared. But uh, break down those three with an elite jag and a bust. I would love to call... Rodney Anderson elite. I wish I would have been able to see him be elite for a long time in college, but he was just injured. Is there an injured designation? I think at this, at this point, if he does anything, uh, it's going to be amazing. But if he does anything and he does it for very long, I feel like he has the best shot of this group to be elite. Uh, definitely. Uh, for me, Justice Hill could be the Jag just because he was amazing at Oklahoma State, and I love his game, and I love his strength. I mean, he was the dude was squatting ridiculous, like 600 pounds or something, like two years ago. Uh, even though he's a you know a smaller back for sure, and he caught some passes in that offense, uh, really carried the carried the offense at times uh, at a smaller size. But I wonder if that size does hurt him uh, in the pros. He's not even 200 pounds, and I don't think he's going to really get there by the combine. And if he does, he's probably going to run a four six. So. I, I don't think that's his normal speed. If he, add, if he tries to add weight, that's probably who he's going to be. And then Josh Jacobs, I think, could be the bust because, yes, he just had a really good game and really his, one of his best games ever uh, in the college football playoff, I believe, against Oklahoma. And if you look at the rest of his career, he's had like five games or something with more than 12 carries ever. And obviously there's crowded backfields in Alabama. But, I mean, he's, he's basically just never taken over as the league guy ever. And uh, I think he's really technically sound. I think the people that like him will talk about that for days. I don't think he's really athletic. Uh, I don't think, like, like elite athletic anyway. And I don't think he's really ever done it on a large scale for us to believe that he will ever do so in the pros. So that's, that's the bust for me in this crew. Is um, he like the Riley Ridley of the running back class? Just all hype right now? He is. He's very much so. It's like you you pick like a dozen plays from his career and you think, holy cow, if he does that on a consistent basis, like his upside is unreal. So people shoot for that. But he only had 13 plays in his whole career. So there's, you know, there's not much to go off of. Well, that's interesting. So that I'll be uh, curious to hear feedback from the listeners on that. Because I know Josh Jacobs seems to be very polarizing right now. It seems like you're either all in on his stock or you're all out. And I like your, uh, your, your optimistic, but you're trepidatious at the same time. So let's kick it over yeah. to some of these big name wide receivers. 
and I like this one a lot. This is going to be, I think, the toughest one for you. So let's go Kelvin Harmon, Nikhil Harry, and DK Metcalf. Who is your elite guy? Who is your jag? And who is the bust of the big three at the wide receiver? And I'm, I'm leaving out A.J. Brown, who I know is a personal favorite of yours as well. But of those three, Harmon, Harry, and Metcalf, uh, break them down for us. I've already talked about a couple of them, but uh, for me, uh, this is easy as far as projections just because of what they've already done in college. And if it works out how I think, it's probably going to be exactly this. Uh, Kelvin Harmon, I think, can be elite. I think he'll uh, continue to excel, but he's got the flexibility, all the physical traits, and really the, the route running savvy that you want to see to hit the ground running. Uh, Nikhil Harry is going to be the jag just because he's a little bit stiff. I think he's a little bit slow. I think he can win in one-on-one co- you know, coverage in college, but I think he might be limited more so than we're giving him credit for in the pros, even though he is kind of a freak. So I could be wrong. Uh, I want all the, and really all of these guys are good. I have them all ranked in, in like the top five or six in this class. <laughs> but in Keel Harry, it, it would be the Jag. And then the bust would definitely be DK Metcalf, mainly because he barely plays the wide receiver position still. I mean, he played basically 100% of his snaps at, uh, at left wide receiver. Uh, he, you know, 20 of his 27 receptions that I charted in eight games against Power Five competition were on a go curl or comeback all working on the threat of him going deep basically just everything vertical or underneath because everyone's freaking out about a 6-4 monster streaking down the field he also only had one reception on third down in the entire eight game sample uh that i charted uh, he just was not that guy uh so i don't really know there's there's a huge projection with crazy upside because he's Freaking Goliath and Calvin Johnson's baby, like that's a, that's what he looks like. But um, it, that's just that's the easy bust out of those three. Well, that sounds like he uh, he needs to land in a situation with a really good quarterback and a good wide receiver coach that can help him develop at the next level. So this next one, I, I know one of these guys is very polarizing, especially if again they're following you on Twitter. But we're gonna give a. The next three wide receivers, we're going to go Hakeem Butler, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, and Debo Samuel. And I cannot ever say the word Debo without thinking about the movie Friday and seeing uh, <laughs> Tiny Lister cruising around on that uh, single-speed bike. But anyway, Butler and Brown and Samuel, break those three down for us. Yeah, so uh, elite out of this crew would be Butler. Uh, I think that would be my pick. Uh, Jag, just because of his size, uh, Marquise Brown, that could be, you know, maybe he has a, a couple good seasons like John Brown, but maybe he caps out just because he never really gets up to one, 170. You know, I mean, the, the guy's really frail, really tiny. I love his explosive playability. I just dropped a, a fun little thread on him. I do love his big playability, but if uh, that doesn't work out at the next level and he doesn't have the same yak ability at the next level, um, then maybe he's Jack out of this group. And then the bust would be Debo Samuel, and that's easy for me. Uh, the, basically, a third of his game is off of like jet motion and screens, uh, and, and he's supposed to be a yak monster or whatever, but uh, uh, basically like 50, almost 60% of his receptions that I charted in eight games went for less than 10 yards. Uh, so even when he breaks a big play, it's like, I think the, the one highlight everyone wants to show is his biggest play. I, I can't, I think it was like an 85 yard touchdown against Clemson. And that was basically a trick play that I don't know if you, if you look at it pre-snap, they actually have like an offensive lineman down at right wide receiver 
Like, and, and it's it's a really weird setup. And then he just basically runs a post, and the safeties it's basically just busted coverage. So uh, there's like if you if you're a film guy, no reason to like him. If you're an analytics guy, no reason to like him. Uh, there's, he's an e- easy bust out of this this crew for me. That's too bad because he's got a really cool name, Debo. Debo, really does, yeah. hide your gold chain and hide your draft picks and avoid Debo Samuel. Uh, it sounds like so far. And then last, the tight end class. This is supposed to be one of the better tight end class since I guess 2017. And whenever I initially think of the 2017 class, I always think of O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, and David Njoku, but I always forget, and then it pops into my head, that George Kittle was in that class too. So we're going to hit you with three wide receivers. We're going to hit you with Irv Smith. We're going to hit you you with um, Caleb Wilson. And we're going to hit you with Noah Fant. I I think I know where this one's going to go real quick, but uh, go ahead. Okay, so Noah Fant uh, is my elite pick out of this crew. I think he's going to run a 4-5 flat at the combine at, at his ridiculous 6 5, 255 maybe size. And he's going to jump about 42 inches in the vert. He's going to just break everything <laughs> uh, and uh, look like uh, Mike Jasicki did, except he's a more legitimate threat, um, just balanced uh, as far as the tight end goes, back, you know, pass catching and blocking. So easy elite designation for me uh the next one with jagger bust it's it i don't know it, it's kind of it, i'm in between here i really like Irv smith and i really like caleb wilson um i think uh, the bust might be caleb wilson i think if you look back at where he came from I, he's got a cool story too he was like a walk-on uh usc actually for a bit there and then went to ucla and ended up being like their best receiver really but from the tight end position and i think he could be a move guy um, but, uh, I think because uh, he doesn't really even play the tight end position really just yet in many ways, he could be the bust. Uh, and then the Jag might be Irv Smith. He's the Alabama tight end. I, I saw some good reps against some really good safeties in the league, uh, and well in, in college this year. Um, but, um, I, I worry that, uh, about his ceiling. I don't, everyone's going to want him to be OJ Howard and he's not going to be that athletically. So I think he could end up being the Jag, uh, of these three. All right, well, that is going to wrap up our game of Elite, Jag, or Bust. So that's really it. Jerry, you have any additional questions for Travis? Actually, I do, if you don't mind, Travis. Um, I was hoping you could give me a quick blurb on just a couple guys. Um, as far as running backs go, some smaller school guys, Devin Singletary, and then I want to know the polarizing thoughts on Bryce Love and his torn ACL that he's got going on. And then the wide receivers, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, you mentioned him a little bit. Um, And then Anthony Johnson from the University of Buffalo. Okay. I'll try to run through those four. So with Devin Singletary, he's a touchdown-making machine. He's got uh, the perfect production profile to kind of squeak him in there, regardless of how he does at the Combine. Even with an average showing there, I think he's probably going to be a a day-two guy, probably somewhere in round three. Is pretty safe, and so I, if he's in a decent landing spot, I want all the Singletary. If he's not in a decent landing spot, that's one of those guys where I probably would lean the other direction because I don't think he's just a game-breaking uh, talent. Uh, but I do love him, and I think he'll find success in, in the right spot. Uh, with um, Bryce Love, never go back to school when you are graded out as a first-round pick. Uh, never do that. Uh, that it's just it's really sad to see, uh, but his stock just plummeted. Uh, he couldn't stay healthy. 
even in, in his really good season, he was hobbling off the field all the time uh, and only to go and come back on and, and run for another 90-yard score. Uh, but this year it really came back to bite him, and uh, he's got size questions already. Really can't bring much to the passing game, and now there's an injury concerns. He's a day three guy, uh, and I don't think there's anything that he can do to change that. As uh, far as point. your your rookie picks, he's firmly in the second round. Mm, yeah, I mean, there's like there's no way. I mean, there's no way he's a first round pick, and really, I think he's probably a third rounder for me at this point. Okay. Um, and then so, uh, yeah, JJ, I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like last year we were talking about how he would have been a top, you know, two, three, four, or five pick. So. Yeah, he Matt he Matt Barkley that one. Yeah, he 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 definitely <laughs> definitely screwed that one up. Uh, as far as the wide receivers, JJ Arcega Whiteside, he, he's maybe the best contested catcher. I mean, we we've been talking about a couple of contested catchers. He might be the best in this class, uh, but I worry about uh, his his hips and and flexibility as as well and and top speed. I'm not sure that he's going to be a a difference maker at the next level, um, but uh, I really love his acrobatic plays and. And uh, it really just how he corrects um, uh, with errant throws. He he does really well uh, getting uh, basically horizontal to kind of adjust to some catches at times, and and so that's a lot of fun. Uh, but I, it's he's a hard projection for me. He's a maybe a late first, early second round in terms of uh, rookie pick value in this class. Uh, but he's definitely a 50-50 ball catcher and a 50-50 hit rate type player. Um, but then uh, Anthony Johnson, he's way down for me. Uh, the dude's like 24 already, um, and he's not been playing tough competition. Uh, maybe he wows at the, com- at, the, at the combine and sees some real draft stock, but uh, I, I can't really can't really get excited about him very much. I think he may be just inside my top 16, 17 wide receivers, but um, uh, you know I, he he was fun to watch at Buffalo. I'm not sure he's he's going to do the same in the pros. Awesome. Well, thank you for breaking those guys down for me. Before we let you go, I, I, I thought of one question as you were answering Jerry's. Where, where would you draft Noah Fant in a standard tight end scoring league, and where would you draft him in a tight end premium league? Tight end premium is kind of a growing format, mm-hmm. and he's someone I've got my eye on. Uh, in a couple of tight end premium leagues, I've got some middle to late firsts. Uh, will he be there, and is he worth investing at that point in my rookie draft? I think in, in uh, most classes, uh, he would stand alone as the elite option that would uh, just be way better than everyone else in this class. Uh, this class being probably eight plus tight ends deep that could see uh, day two draft stock uh, changes it a little bit. Uh, and tight end premium, he's probably a mid burst uh, for me. Uh, and then he's probably just a late first regardless. But he would be even higher in a normal class just because he's so stinking good. Uh, but I think he's. Uh, Probably mid first, probably the sixth slot maybe for uh, for tight end uh, premium, and you know maybe seven to twelve in, in there after landing spots are all said and done for uh, normal leagues. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for gracing us with your time. We know you're a busy guy. You're writing, you're podcasting, you're promoting. So I'm going to do a little promoting for you. You can find him at ff underscore Travis M on Twitter. And on his page, you'll find links to his work, but it's DynastyCommandCenter.com. The podcast is Dynasty Command Center. I'm an Apple guy, but it's also on Stitcher. Um, There's two episodes out there. I know there's a lot of uh, episodes to come. And listen to some of the names he mentioned. Curtis Patrick, Ryan McDowell. He could go on and on and on. So there's going to be tons 
of good stuff. And this is a must listen as we cruise into draft. So the combine's right around the corner, uh, the back end of February. Then it'll be free agency. So lots of things that will shape your rookie draft class. Travis, listen, on behalf of Jerry, man, thank you so much for coming on. Anything to add before we let you go home? Uh, I'm already home, so I don't have to go anywhere. It's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate uh, you guys having me on again and just uh, talking some rookies, talking some NFL draft, everything. Be glad to do it again. All right. Maybe we'll get you on post-combine somewhere between the uh, combine and the NFL draft. Again, Travis May, thanks so much, buddy. Thank you, guys.